Hey folks, welcome back to another episode of Straight Talk Health Talk. This is your host, Dr. Kevin. And for today's episode, we have one of my favorite people on uh, on the call today. Going to give us some some interesting perspectives on her journey once again. And this is Leanne Deitch, who is a licensed case social worker with Lynn County Mental Health. Uh, Ms. Deitch has been instrumental in our region with her with her caring, her empathy, uh, who she works with. She has an extremely challenging population, but she does such amazing things. She has one of the, the amazing pain program here. And what is fascinating and, and wonderful for me is she's the consummate student, meaning she never stops learning. And when she learns something, she applies it. And so what we want to talk about today is her learning journey. And so Ms. Deish, always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you, Kevin. Yeah, so where would you like to start today? I know we have, again, we always have lots of topics, so where would you like to begin? So I would really enjoy talking about how things started to shift for me as a mental health therapist once I understood pain. I think that's a great a step. Yeah. Because <laughs> a and, lot of amazing things started happening. Well, and, and, and you need to kind of explain, uh, unwrap that a little bit, because um, as you know, you know, the the actual understanding pain part is not appreciated. We talk around it, we talk about it, but we generally talk, we don't, you know, there's not a lot of people who who would understand when you say, well, when I was getting the, when I was understanding the pain part or understanding the pain science part, um, because most people just skip over that. It is, it is like not seeing a rock. So how, what, how would you, you know, how do you, how would you how do you, would you talk, talk about somebody who says, you know, you're you've just met a social worker somewhere and you are like, I just want to talk to you briefly about, you know, pain and how it is, how it has changed my practice. How do you how would you get that part where you get them to understand that it's really the understanding the pain, which is so key? Uh, so I I think social worker to social worker, it just makes so much sense because Pain is pain, mm -hmm. as we say. Right? All pain is constructed of sensations, thoughts, and emotions, and pain skills are life skills. So that means that if someone is walking through my door who is experiencing symptoms of post-traumatic stress or anxiety or major depression, um, schizoaffective disorder, that the science applies. Mm -hmm. The science applies to, in fact, I, I titled one of my classes here, um, act beyond whatever ails you <laughs> because I'm using the same, the same skill set and tools, regardless of what curriculum I'm teaching, regardless of who's walking through the door. So it's, it's an amazing, amazing tool that's really universal. And I've mentioned to you before, Kevin, that when, when I did my learning journey, I was doing predominantly groups and then some things changed at my agency and I needed to go back into predominantly individual therapy and I felt I just felt so much more confident in my clinical work with the pain science and my understanding of the brain and stress physiology and the, the power factors of when pain changes it's just so universal and it means that I, I didn't have to run out and change um, all my tools or get new tool sets I just saw how things fit Mm -hmm. uh, when I, when I knew the science. And, and that kind of comes back to, um, you know, there's a, there's an interview that Elon Musk does that I've, I've been quite a fan. It's very short and he's doing with Chinese media. It's about, I don't know, five, 10 minutes long. 
but his explanation like once you hear it you're like oh my god that makes so much sense but he was basically saying is when you understand the problem well then when you have a tool that tool makes more sense because now you know how it fits right and so it rather and then i would i would expand that on uh you know once you understand the problem well any tools that you already have in your toolbox become easier to apply and probably more effective in a lot of ways yes and I, I find that very exciting. <laughs> well, and, and I guess the other part about it is then you are, you, you learn more skill sets. You can, the, when you're learning a new tool, I'm assuming in some ways it makes learning new tools even easier because, um, you know, for those of you who don't know you, you started out with an, an ACT model, acceptance mm -hmm. and commitment therapy model, but you didn't stop there with that single tool. Correct. And in, and in fact, once I learned the science, I recognized how I needed to adjust that tool to align with the science. Mm -hmm. And then now, basically, I use a fusion. Uh, you know, I use pain science. I use acceptance and commitment therapy. I use um, solution-focused brief therapy, strength-based, mindfulness. Um, yeah, just a, a real smattering of tools. But all of them really a big commonality amongst it, it's more how i use those tools mm -hmm, right mm -hmm. yeah. and how i use those tools is uh related to how my role as a clinician has shifted as a result of learning the science i'm not a quote-unquote fixer i'm a facilitator uh, the people who walk through my door are not patients they're not clients they are students so as my as I've learned the science and I am shifting my tools, my role has shifted and the way that I provide service has shifted. And it just feels really different. <laughs> mm -hmm. It feels really different. Um, and, and even in my off time in my personal life and my personal mental health, that feels different too. <laughs> <laughs> so could you expand on that a little bit more? Because, um, you know that that shift from fixing to facilitating uh, um again many people don't may not understand that but for for myself and other people that i have worked with and other people that i've talked to when you make that shift everything changes mm -hmm. the stress goes down the relationships that you have change uh, the dynamic in that in that therapeutic alliance changes so but but um again it's it's can you help me could you help me explain that better uh yeah. by by what you would mean by that like what have you found so so first of all that comes from the fact that uh pain is an output of the brain right and we utilize i i'll, I'll say to my folks neuroplasticity got us into this mess and that's what's going to get us back out but i can't change your brain for you mm -hmm. just like you can't change mine so that responsibility necessarily falls on the individual and one of my one of my favorite quotes uh, is from lisa feldman barrett of how emotions are made it's sometimes we're responsible for something not because we're to blame but because we're the only ones who can change it mm -hmm. And that's, and so, and so I can't be the fixer. <laughs> and so you're basically coming in and honestly stating that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, but I'm passionate about it and, and I believe in it and it's really empowering. 
it's really, and one of the things that I've learned in, um, I'm not sure if it's strength-based or solution-focused is, you know, one of the questions is, is, wow, how have you gotten through? How did you manage to get through this far and where you are today? And, and sometimes when you ask that question of somebody, you can literally see their, their posture change uh-huh. or that, or that sense of, wow, I, I did make it this far. There is something inside of me <laughs> that's gotten me through here, that's gotten me to, you know, to come in today or something like that. And, and, and that, that just really, just asking, you know, saying something like that or a question like that just starts that shift of, um, I, I have the capacity, I have the, the self-efficacy. Well, and, and, you know, the, it's just the act of, of seeing yourself now as a facilitator. I can see how that affects your language, right? Because mm-hmm. when you when you have changed that dynamic of you are no longer the fixer, and instead you're you you understand that you are trying to facilitate change and working with the person that that is, that is sitting in front of you, you wouldn't say, which is typical, and I would say the medical community, God, that must have been so awful. Right. <laughs> your life really sucks. Tell me about the awfulness. <laughs> you know, where else has your life been crappy? Yeah. You know, and <laughs> uh, where else is everything bad? So because, you're, you know, because and, and, if you're if you're in that fixing mindset, you want to and the best of intentions. And it's not usually always the best intentions is more people falling down that thinking that they're being empathetic, that they're being sympathetic. But in the best of intentions, you want to find everything else that you could potentially fix. Right. Mm-hmm. Rather than if you understand that that we're not fixing anybody, we're, we're again, we're in helping them ultimately to fix themselves. Uh, then you want to point out those strengths, just like you said. So it's, because those become the foundation. Yeah. <laughs> for for uh, making change. Yeah. 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 So get, move in a little bit more about that when we were talking about strength based and, and solution focused, because what I what I do like about those types of approaches is rather than focusing on. And again, this counters with what you will typically see in a lot of healthcare centers where we're so damage focused and how we can diseaseify and how we can disempower people and tell them that there's nothing that they can do or sell them or push therapies of which they have no control over. The difference between like strength based and solutions focused is what like how how would you frame that difference? So, uh, so, and, and the other, the other part of the acronym to the (laughs) solution focused is, is grief therapy. So, so to me, it's the idea that, that someone can come in and identify their personal goals. Uh, and I am, I am here to teach and coach and guide, uh, but they are determining where they want to go and what that means to them. And it's not necessarily that they're going to have even reached those goals mm-hmm. by the time that we finish our work together, but really it's, it's cultivating self-efficacy. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, if I can believe I can achieve my goals, uh, then I don't, I don't necessarily even need to stay in therapy until I achieve them. Right. I just need to, I need a roadmap mm-hmm. and that's what, and so that's, my tools are designed to provide people with roadmaps. I use, uh, you know, a couple of, of tools that I've created. Um, I have a committed action worksheet. So the terminology committed action, here's part of my fusion here. The terminology committed action comes from acceptance and commitment therapy. And then under the title of committed action, which is where I'm, you know, making my state. So maybe this, the, the committed action 
I'm making is mindful breathing practice. And then under, under that is the acronym for SMART goals. Mm-hmm. But I don't use the traditional SMART goals. I've, I've changed that <laughs> like a lot of other stuff to align with, with what makes sense to me. So, so, so specific, they're identifying. And I'll say, you know, can you commit to doing this every day? Do you think that's a commitment that you can make? Can you give yourself a couple of minutes of, of self-care time? And usually people will agree to that. And then it's um, identifying, this is, this is when I'm going to do it every day. This is where, this is for how long. The M in specific, I say means meaningful. And that's when I'm tying back to the value, which is also a really important piece of ACT, is always bringing it back. What is my core value that underlies this action? Because theoretically, if I really value this, then I'm going to follow through. This is my why, right? Mm-hmm. He who has a why for, Kimber, almost anyhow, says Nietzsche, right? That's the why. Um, the A in the SMART goal I says is a, uh, I, I say is accountable. Is there someone in your life that you want to communicate that you're doing this with or invite along with you? R, I say, is the most important one. That's reminder. How am I going to remember to do this? And T is the tool. So every time someone leaves my office or they leave a class, they're walking out with a committed action sheet that they themselves have written. And I learned that from you, Kevin. You had, you had said that even the act of writing it down themselves increases the likely of follow, likelihood of follow through. Because it's the first commitment. Yeah. <laughs> so, right. So, um, so, so they're walking out with a goal that they have chosen based on a value that they have chosen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and they know that we're going to come back and, and talk about it. And the more that, that people follow through on those commitments, the more they start to see change. And there's the neuroplasticity component of it. And I've started uh, keeping data mm-hmm. so that people can not only have that experience of seeing the change, but they can see it on paper and people really, people really like that, but also demonstrating that it can work. And, and all of this, the pain science and the solution focused brief therapy lined up really well with some changes that happened in my department where we lost a lot of staff uh, so that I have eight new intakes a week. And so I've got to be using a model where I'm providing a brief service for people and that's it. And, and that, and only because I have that pain science knowledge and I have my other tool set and then the solution focused and they, they all just come together perfectly to be able to provide a service uh, to a lot of people in a, in a brief period of time. And, and a brief and meaningful sorts of time. And, and what I, what I love about, you know, well, like in every crisis, there's lies opportunity, right? So yes. Um, yes. the, in what you've done, because that was a very difficult time frame that you guys went through and it was very sudden when yeah. that occurred. And I had some, I, I'm going to be honest, I had some significant concerns because you had been making such great progress and then you have this big challenge that comes up. But I, I love how, you know, that has been reframed in such a way because now it actually seems like it's even better than before. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, you know, how much of healthcare do we talk about access issues? Yes. How much do we talk about, well, it takes too long. And, mm-hmm. and um, you don't see that occurring on a big scale of how can we go in, identify what those key levers are, and then providing people the tool set to pull those for themselves so that then they, they can get out, right? You know, it's an empowerment model. Absolutely. Yeah, the empowerment. Get back to living again. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, and I. What's funny, my 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 supervisor. He says this works because you believe in it, Leanne, <laughs> and I do, and and I'm excited about it, and I'm passionate about it, and I know that that shows when I'm talking to people, and when I'm you know, granted, quote unquote, selling it, mm-hmm. right? Trying to trying to get buy in for people who may be coming in and expecting long term talk therapy. Well, and people will poo-poo that belief stuff, right? And they'll just say, well, if you just because just you believe it works. Well, it, it, there's more to it because if you don't believe in it, then why in the world is the person that you're going to the, that working with that they're right. going to believe? <laughs> and, if, and, and, and especially when it comes to any sort of engaged action, and which is one of the things I, you know, I, 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 I love about how you framed the, your committed action with, smart, with, with, with your new smart is um, if they don't believe that they can do it, then they're not even going to bother trying. Right. That's like one of the, the, the key things that is, that is missing in so many ways is how do we instill belief and how do we encourage people that they do have more skill sets, more skills, more resiliency than they've been led to believe for oftentimes decades. Right. And that goes back to that strength space. Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm, yeah. That goes back to asking somebody. How did you make it through? What was it inside of you that, that got you to persevere? And oftentimes people will look at me and they'll say, I don't know. <laughs> but because I've been listening to their story, I can pull those things out. And then and then once I do, then you say, yeah, yeah, I guess that's true. Or yeah, I can see that. Uh, and it, it is fun. It is fun to see, see, a, see a person the expression on their face change or their, their posture change as they embrace the realities about themselves. I'm not blowing smoke. It's true. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, But they just, as you said, no one's ever pointed it out before or they've never seen it themselves, but that really starts the foundation of that, that belief in themselves. And, and a term I learned from Nora Stern, low and slow. Mm -hmm. I, I always say, I said, well, just start low and slow. What is one step? What is one step in the direction of this value that you've identified? What What do you want that to look like? Yeah. So maybe that's one minute of, of mindful breathing every day. Wonderful. <laughs> it's where we start. Well, and that, that actually reminds me, uh, again, the, the slow and slow can be used in many different ways is when – I don't do much of this anymore, but I was working with primary care docs on how to taper uh, medications and work with their, their, you know, patients, clients, whatever we want to say. Again, I don't, I don't particularly like the word patient and clients. Okay. But uh, we'll just say clients because I think it's a little bit more empowering than patients. You know, when we're Mm -hmm. labeling people as sufferers, there's a problem, but um, you know, working with them. Cause when you particularly, when, when you're looking around tapering a medication, and you're doing it for the right reasons. So again, if, if, if you're a clinician who believes in what you're doing, that's going to transmit different than if you don't believe. Mm-hmm. But um, that committed action then is, is, it makes it a lot easier. I mean, we have right now that there's people running around, oh, my tapering is so hard, it's so hard. No, it, it, it really isn't that hard when you start with who you're, who's in front of you. Mm-hmm. And so it was the same thing as I, I had a doc I was working with and I thought this was absolutely brilliant because I would say, start low and go slow. And he came up to me one time and he's like, you know, I, I was working with my patients and I, you know, I asked them to say, how much do you think you can go down when we start this? And the reply was one pill. And it was like one pill a day. He's like, no, one pill a month. Mm-hmm. And this physician, brilliant, did not argue, 
And, and obviously, we're in a scenario where there, he wasn't on a, a, a super, there wasn't a lot of other risks involved and all the stratification and things like that. But he said, okay. And they started there. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, the, okay, start the, where there they are. The more, the more that the people that we work with have a sense of control, mm -hmm. right, over themselves, over their bodies, over the decisions, over things happening in their life, the more the, that cultivates, I think, that self-efficacy. And, and, and that goes back, same with self-efficacy. A lot of the people I work with have not felt a sense of, of control in their lives, um, maybe ever, or certainly not as children. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a, a really important piece to bring to the therapeutic relationship. So right on for that doctor. <laughs> Right. To allow the people that he's working with a sense of control over the process. And he probably ended up having a very different experience with the tapering of those folks, um, alternative to other folks where he was the decision maker, would be my guess. Yeah. No, I think um, it, it, primary care is a challenging environment wherever you go. Um, but when people, you know, I've seen I've seen shifts there when they when they start moving away from the idea of fixing and facilitating because primary care really is a facilitating that it's, it's perfect and prime for facilitation like we're working and and they're a great group who really believes in that but have been kind of ingrained in a fixing system um but i've seen you know it, it's dramatically changed the relationships with again their clients and so when you have a a very difficult population a difficult and challenging population in and um that's the honest truth that, you know, when you have people who've got pretty complex pain and they have a lot of, usually have a, a lot of complex other things going on, it's a difficult work to, to group to work with. But when, again, in, when you no longer feel like you're, you're the fixer uh, and how you can empower them, it's such a different relationship. And it, again, while we're, you know, you're talking from a social work setting in a very, you know, a challenging environment because you're working in county health. Um, I've seen it with physicians and in primary care in both county and uh, different clinics and things like that. We've seen physical therapists who have changed. It's just just amazing. But I but to return to that, though, I would say if you you know, that that does come down to the pain science part, because if you believe pain is a thing or that oozes like pain pus, uh, you're going to kind of default to that fixing mentality. That's what we do with things. <laughs> that we, we, yeah, and yeah, and yeah, and that's if, if something's broken, then we have a tendency to try to fix it. But the, but the key thing is, is, uh, you know, what can you do before and after and during in order to make sure that that person is more empowered after things are said and done, rather than less empowered going forward. Yeah, it's it's so exciting that our our region is embracing this and becoming more knowledgeable in it because then that means that we as a community of providers are empowering our community members uh, and and we as a community of providers are shifting from fixers to facilitators and we're shifting from just the biomedical to the biopsychosocial and and just to see just to see what's going to happen in our community <laughs> as as a result of collectively making that shift i just um, find that really exciting it, it, it yeah well you're preaching to the choir there because i it, it is it's, <laughs> it is amazing but i think you know what what is you know 
really amazing though is to seeing the change that's been happening in our community members and how the they you know when when you've empowered someone it doesn't stop when they leave your office right right they want to share it mm -hmm. and spread it and bring <laughs> others along <laughs> oh it's amazing it's amazing well we are uh at 25 minutes almost here and i i and i will have you on again because just talking to you there's always something here so many things that we could approach on we could talk about we can go more in depth on strength based we can go more in depth on solution focus we can talk about um how you take a tool and then mold it so that it it, it fits the problem because i know you, again you've done that in such a way when you understood when you, your understanding of pain and the way you've applied things and how you've taken that knowledge and actually we really should do an episode on ptsd because that what i think would be a, a really really good one but anyway you guys listening out there i'm going to ask you to do this if if you have something specific you go ahead and email me at dr kevin at straightshothealth.com or you can put a comment under this episode at straightshothealth.com uh and um we and will kevin, oh, uh -huh. i'm i'm happy to share any of my tools or worksheets that I've developed, if that would, if that would help other clinicians or community members, I'm very happy to do that. Oh, absolutely. Oh, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. In fact, actually with this one, maybe what I'd like to do, cause I love your committed action sheet is, um, it will, we can post a very end of that up on the link. So it'll be at straightshothealth.com under whatever the title for this podcast is going to be. Um, and if, if that's okay with you, I'd love to put it there. Cause it is a yeah. awesome, awesome sheet. And it, it is, uh, you know, it's simple, which is fantastic. We don't complexify it uh, in every, I'm, I'm just looking at that. Your specific, meaningful, accountable reminder and tools and how that is set up is, um, it's just brilliant. And then, of course, I'm always thinking of the data. I'm like, this fits here and this fits there and this fits there. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's awesome. So we Thank will, you. if you're okay with that, we will do that. And uh, uh, Leanne, is there any specific way that you'd like people to reach out to you? Do you have a uh, yeah, email is a great way to communicate. Okay. Which is uh, my first initial last name, L B Y C H E at C O dot L I N N dot O R dot U S. All right. And I will put a link to that on the uh, website episode as well. And for everybody else out there, hope for feeling a little bit of hope and you know, understanding that, that there is a lot more power that people have here. And if you're a clinician hoping to move away from that fixing to a facilitation mindset, we would love to uh, talk more with you and, and hear your changes. And for everybody else out there, stay well. Thanks, guys. <laughs>